Okay, today we are in Matthew chapter 18, and I, I've got to honestly say this to you. Uh, this message today uh, has been um, thrust upon me, not only from my own observations of uh, moving and walking around here and talking with many of you, but some of you have asked me to talk about this. You need to know that. Some of you have actually asked me to speak on this particular matter, and so I'm happy to do that as I have in, in uh, previous uh, ministries and previous churches. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 15 to 20. These are some strong teachings from the Lord Jesus, so let's give personal heed to them. And in honor of the Word of God, would you please stand as we hear these words this morning from the Lord Jesus Himself, Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15. This is the Word of God. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two, if, if two or of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. May God, the Holy Spirit, the author of this word, give us understanding in this truth, and may we seek to apply this and implement this into our lives. Let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask him to guide us in this time of study. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful day that you have given to us, the crispness of the cold winter air that reminds us of the changing of the seasons. We also know, Lord, as we come together to worship you this morning, that there are times that we come broken and hurt. Uh, perhaps things that have happened to us in the relationships that we have, whether they be relationships in our immediate family, relationships in our neighborhood, relationships of work, relationships in the church even. And we need your word to guide us as to how to bring about a shalom peace in our spirit. And we find that your word teaches us very clearly what we are to do. So we pray that you would allow us to not only hear your word today, but to heed it, to apply it, to implement it, to take the actions that are necessary to bring about a sense of shalom, peace, and restoration in our lives and in the lives of those we know and love. So hear our prayers to this end, and, and may your Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning in all that we do. And yes, O oh Lord, for the one who is about to speak, would you please kindly hear his prayers for the forgiveness of his sins, for he knows that they are many. He knows he's not worthy to do this, but you've called him to do it. So we ask and pray that you would 
be our teacher this morning by the power of your spirit so that the fullness of your greatness, Lord Jesus Christ, would be realized in deeper and greater ways. This we ask in your precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but um, just a, a few days ago, actually it's been a little more than uh, a week, more than a week or so ago, uh, my wife and I were uh, in the process of putting away our Christmas decorations. Anybody, anybody there with me? Putting away your Christmas decorations and stuff? Now, you need to know that uh, when Beth and I got married, uh, for those of you who might be visiting here for the first time or whatever, uh, Beth and I were both, my wife Beth and I, we were both widowed back in the fall of 2017. And we grieved for a long period of time and then through a wonderful set of providential circumstances, God brought us back together again. And uh, when it was time, when it was clearly the time that uh, we were to uh, get married, we, we bought a home uh, in Irmo. And uh, <laughs> I moved all of my things from my house, from moving from Pennsylvania down here. And then after we got married, uh, she sold her house. And, and, uh, and a few days after she sold her house, this is after we had our, our wedding and our, our ceremony and our honeymoon and everything, she sold her house and she moved all of her things in, into, uh, into our house together. And one of the things we realized, I mean, you, you don't even ask me how many trips to the Salvation Army, to Goodwill, to Chapin Good Works, and every other charitable organization that took those kinds. Don't even ask me how many trips we took over the, year, over the months as we were clean out, because we had two of everything. I mean, between the two of us, we had over 65 years of marriage. And there was two of everything coming into the house, especially Christmas decorations. But we got married in February, and so when we, by the, you know, when we pulled everything into the house and all the boxes that were there, there was this one closet that we had in the downstairs <laughs> that was designated the Christmas closet. And there we put all of our themes from two marriages of 65 plus years combined together. And I have to be honest with you, a couple of years ago when it was time to open up that closet and pull out the Christmas decorations for our first Christmas together as a married couple, I think we both held our breath, fearing that an avalanche may occur from all of the things that had accumulated in my bailiwick and her bailiwick. And one thing that we learned in, in, in all of that process was there was this thing that was called clutter. Clutter. Hello, does anybody have clutter in their home? Anybody got a closet, a desk, an area of your home that is just marked by clutter. Do I dare ask for a show of hands? 
or some will just put it up about halfway. They don't want to be seen. <laughs> it seems like in many of our lives, there's clutter. There's also a thing called spiritual clutter, spiritual clutter in our lives, emotional clutter in our lives. And if we're not careful, if we don't deal with it, just like our fears were when we opened that, that Christmas closet a couple of years ago for the first time, if we're not careful, that emotional and spiritual clutter will come avalanching down and literally set us back immensely. What causes that emotional and spiritual clutter? Any number of things, but one thing is certainly clear. Unresolved conflict. The issues that are unresolved, that are bringing you hurt and pain and grief between you and another person or another party. And interestingly enough, the Lord Jesus Christ has a lot to say about dealing with unresolved conflict. He has a lot to say about and gives teaching specifically geared toward people, individuals, and even for that matter, groups who may have unresolved issues, bitterness, and, and the bitterness and the grief and the hurt and the pain that come from those unresolved, unreconciled issues. We've already seen that here in Matthew chapter 18. But just think with me out loud of some other instances here. Paul told in, the, in his Philippian letter in chapter 4, he pleaded with Euodia and Syntyche to agree with one another in the Lord. This passage that we read earlier in the bulletin from, that Steve read from Colossians, the, the letter to the Colossians, talks about the, the bitterness and grievances that sometimes exist between people and the peace that Christ offers when we bear with one another in love and forgive one another and seek to reconcile with one another. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the breaking down of the barriers that exist, that, that Christ did in accomplishing our salvation and those walls of animosity that existed between people. Right here with your Bible still open in Matthew, I, I hope, I want you to go back to chapter 5. Here's another teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ gives about unresolved conflict. How, is, how important is unresolved conflict to the Lord Jesus and the effort to get it right? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 23, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 23, Jesus, these are, the, again, the lips of the Lord Jesus himself. We, we've already heard them in Matthew 18. Listen to what he has to say here. Verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, then and then come and offer your gift. You would think that in the setting of, of worship, of worship, that that would be the most important thing. But to Jesus, it wasn't even the most important thing if you know that you have something against another person. In Jesus' mind, before you offer 
your act of worship, in this case, which was the gift, you need to go and be reconciled with that other person or that other party. Now, I'm going to be honest with you and just say, in every church that I have served, it doesn't take too long to be in the midst in that congregation. There's six other congregations, and then 25 years before that of permanent situations. I have come across in all those other congregations, there have been instances where there was conflict, unresolved conflict. And so guess what? Lexington Presbyterian Church, you're no different than all the others that I've served. There is unresolved conflict in here. It it has to be with as many people that are here. And so the Scripture's plea from the lips of the Lord Jesus, from the Apostle Paul in his letters to Colossians, to Philippians, to Ephesians, in James The letter, the epistle to James, James in chapter 4 says, what causes wars and and quarrels and strife among you? He recognized amongst the Jewish Christians in his day that were outside of the nation of Israel that received that letter. He realized that there was conflict and strife that existed between them, and yet he says to them, deal with it. So my plea for you today is if you know, whether it's in your personal family, maybe you have a a spouse or a child, young or an adult child, maybe it's a grandchild, maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood, maybe it's somebody at work that you, you have unresolved conflict with, maybe it's, perhaps it's somebody here in the church itself that you have unresolved conflict with, The Word of God through the lips of the Lord Jesus, the apostles of the church and Scripture, make it abundantly plain. Be reconciled. Go and be reconciled. And interestingly enough, go back to Matthew chapter 18 now and notice notice where the burden of responsibility lies. According, This is Jesus' teaching. This is what he says in Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go. There are many people who get offended, who get hurt, who are reeling in pain and anguish over the fact that they felt that they were offended, and yet they just want to sit and stew and sulk in their pain and in their hurt, to nurture their pain and their hurt. And yet Jesus' words are very, very clear here. If you have been hurt, you are to take the initiative to try to go and get that reconciled. It's it's about as clear as it can be. If, If your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault. And so what I've done for you this morning, and you should, every one of you should have received this in your worship guide, is a blue card. Uh, I'm just going to highlight these things because it's pretty self-explanatory as to what is involved in the steps of personal conflict resolution and how to, how to apply Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20 that we've just read here. 
In my judgment, I think there are five steps of personal preparation that your heart needs to have before you even attempt to want to go to your brother or your sister who you've been offended by. You see this conflict from God's perspective. You realize that Christ came down to break the walls between the two of you in Ephesians 2. Take a look, good look at your own self. Ask myself, what's my intent? Where is my heart in all of this? Is this, a, is this an issue about me having to be right? If it is, that's the wrong position. It's pride. It's arrogance. What does God want me to learn from all of this? Thirdly, prepare in a spirit of prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to work. And there's no better way, congregation, there's no better way to prepare yourselves than to be praying daily through the Lord's Prayer. Pray daily through the Lord's Prayer, which is what these cards are that I'm holding up right now. Praying, getting the mind of Christ and the values of the kingdom of heaven in your mind. I again, urge you to, to make this a daily habit and discipline in your life. Then once those th three elements of preparation are done, contact the person cordially and agree on a time and a place to dialogue and approach with the right spirit. Don't, don't be too eager, too hesitant. Approach with the right spirit, a spirit of humility, a spirit of brokenness a spirit wanting to restore. It's from there that the attempt to reconcile is, 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 is engaged, where you begin your dialogue with that person on a positive note. Affirmation always creates a good environment. In other words, this is all, these are all the many things that I like about you, that I appreciate about you, that I value in you. You are so important to me. You begin with affirmation. Then secondly, you... With that affirmation established on both sides, you outline the issues in the conflict, what that individual or that party said or did that's causing trouble in your spirit, how it makes you feel, and why it's important for, for me or whoever it is to bring this to your attention. From there, as you talk, your, your, your speech is in a matter of love. You are speaking the truth in love. Remembering also Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. You're wanting to hear and understand and, and receive, as point nine says, an active response for the other person. The other person or party may not have any idea. It may be shock that comes to them, or it could be Bitterness or could be anger or some, some other kind of emotion. The point here is don't let them hide behind it. Don't Listen to me. Don't let them be like Mr. Banana who wants to hide and let, and, and let that cover hide them. Let emotions be properly expressed. So that in the dialogue, the give and take, going back and forth, the whole goal in point 10 is to seek to understand their view or their position. You're wanting to understand their position not your own position first. It's from there you discern the central issues that are in that discussion. Turn over the card. From that dialogue, you glean what you believe to be the root issues that is causing that, that unrest, that unresolved conflict with you and that other party. And it's at this point 
before you can even move to go further, that you make sure you are in agreement with this. Make sure you have central agreement to what are the issues or issue or issues that, are, that is causing this unresolved conflict to continue here. It's there that the scriptures need to be brought into light as the authority on learning what God's truth about this matter is. God's truth tells us what is right and what is wrong and let God's authority show what actions and behaviors were wrong and what needs to be done. It's from Scripture as a foundation, point 12, that both sides, with Scripture as the foundation, determine the desired action needed to resolve this issue so that they can move forward in the future. And with both parties, it is my prayer that the person who wants to change will desire to make the things better. There are some people that want to sit and sulk in their grief, in their hurt, in their bitterness, in their anger, and nurture it. That is unbiblical. The Bible says, be reconciled. Over and over again, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. James talks about it. We are to be reconciled. We have to will to make things better. That leads then to the steps needed. And then if there is agreement on these steps that need to be done, 13 says, if there is repentance, agreement, confession, give thanks to God, move on. Put a spirit of forgiveness in the present and put that issue in the past and move on. However, if that approach does not succeed, if there's a difference, honest difference of viewpoint here, then according to Matthew chapter 18 and Jesus' own teachings, there are two things possibly that have to be done. In verse 16, it tells us that if there's no resolution after private personal attempts, take one or two others with you and let them serve as witnesses or even referees in the in the in this conflict. Let them determine what they sense and hear as the two of you discuss. If after that, there's still no resolution from this, then this, Jesus makes it very, very clear, bring the matter to the church, which obviously is interpreted to mean the elders of the church who are the spiritual authority. And they will listen and seek to do the best they can to bring about this, this sense of resolution and reconciliation here. After all this, it is the prayer that there would be healing and restoration. And so maintain an accountable, approachable, reconciling spirit in the midst of all this because sometimes it is how you behave and act towards this person after this incident that shows whether your intent was genuine to begin with. My prayer is that today you and I would heed these words from Jesus and would apply this truth to our hearts. Because here's what I know, and I've seen it in too many instances. I've seen the hurt and the buildup of pain in people's lives wear them out over the years. Wear them out because they had unresolved conflict. And sometimes uh, they will retreat. They will, you know, they will not show up at family gatherings, not show up at holidays, or they'll go do another. They'll, they'll find another 
job to do and they'll go somewhere else and work. The problem is, if you leave that conflict and go somewhere else, guess what? The spirit and the stronghold of that conflict will follow you. And so heed the words of Scripture today loud and clear. If you have a conflict, if something is unresolved between you and another person, wherever that might be, your family, your work, your neighborhood, even in the church, if there is an unresolved conflict, heed the words of Scripture and go and be reconciled with that person or party. For the honor of Christ and for your own good. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, these are tough words. It's so often hard to to take the initiative, especially at times when we're hurting, we're in pain, we're in grief, we're dealing with sorrow, and yet your word tells us over time and time again, Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus says, no. Seventy times even more than that. So my prayer for each of us today is that you would, by your Spirit, allow us to search our hearts. And if there is unresolved conflict in any dimension of our life, that you, by your Spirit, would cause us to go to that person or that party and seek to be reconciled with them so that the fullness of your greatness, Lord Jesus Christ, would be seen and honored in all of the relationships that we have in our life. Hear this, our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.